0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, May 13th. We begin with an update on the 2021 edition of the Calgary Stampede. We speak with global reporter Sarah Offen on the Stampede's current plans, which include a different socially distanced version of the greatest outdoor show on Earth.
1: And then we get the latest on Wednesday's late-night announcement by UCP MLA Todd Lowen that he's stepping down as the caucus chair. Global reporter Bindu Suri joins us and talks about what sort of an impact this will have on the party moving forward.
0: We've heard of the various side effects that are possible after receiving a COVID-19 vaccine. And now stories are emerging of the shot having an impact on women's menstrual cycles. We discussed with the director of the Centre for Menstrual Cycle and Ovulation Research at the University of British Columbia.
1: And finally, dog adoptions are way up over the past year. But will the surge of pandemic puppies create a canine crisis? We talked to a professor of anthrozoology to break down the issue.
0: 709 Mornings with Sue and Andy. Calgary's biggest outdoor event of the year is planning to go ahead this summer, but how will the Stampede look amid the pandemic? With an update on what's in the works and what modifications will have to be made, we're joined by global news reporter Sarah Offen. Good morning to you, Sarah.
2: Good morning. Giddy
0: up, Andrew. Giddy up. Is it Yahoo or <laughs> yeah, Yeehaw. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Don't
3: even get into yes, it. It's <laughs> a huge
0: debate unto itself. I want to I ask you about this because the Stampede came out with an announcement yesterday on uh, potentially what the Stampede might look like. Can you give us some of the details uh, in, in what's on the works right now? Yeah, so
2: this is our first sort of peak under the hat, so to speak, in terms of what the pandemic stampede could look like. Now, I, I do suppose that we had some version of that last year with sort of drive-through pancakes and the like. Uh, but the Calgary Stampede is promising an upgrade, a little more cowbell, uh, a little more fun from down here at Stampede Park. So uh, organizers, uh, of course, have over 200 acres of land to play with here, and uh, they do tell us that they are going to be using all of that, making sure that people are physically uh, distanced, so you can think uh, all the midway, the rides, the deep fried food, uh, all the mini donuts, but less of the lines. So uh, the exact details are sort of still in flux. We, we're not sure whether we're going to see things like the Nashville North parties, but you can probably expect to see timed tickets, uh, pre-purchase tickets, uh, lots of uh, physical distancing markers, that kind of thing.
1: I think we can all agree, Sarah, that we always need more cowbell. But that being said, you know, I, th- I think that it was saying a lot that they weren't saying a lot. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't a whole lot of detail because how do you decide what's going to happen in July? And even if we are, you know, in a better state of things, I don't know if we're- we've opened up our text line this morning and people are not really hot on the idea. I- I'm actually kind of surprised by some of the responses
2: that we're hearing this morning. But, I mean, if you keep in mind... Our restrictions currently have us limited to outdoor gatherings of no greater than five people. We usually see about 1.2 million people through the gates here, 1.4 million in our record year uh, back in in 2012 when we had the centennial. So it's going to be interesting to see whether people come out for it. I mean, we've got a Twitter poll up this morning, and so far about uh, 67% saying that they're not yet feeling uh, ready to pull out those cowboy boots and dust off the denim uh, just yet to get back to to these summer events so I think that there's still a lot of unease from people I think time is going to tell but you know as, as the Prime Minister had said this is our, our one dose summer coming up and it, it's going to take some time to see uh, exactly what that is going to look like and and what people's comfort level will be.
0: Yeah and, we, and you know with a statement like that our one dose summer I'm wondering if the stampede gave any further indication of when there will be another announcement or is there potentially a kill date to, to, to change or modify this plan that's been given?
2: That's a really good question. I can tell you that we have been hounding the Stampede, uh, you know, on, I would say, at least a a bi-weekly basis, (laughs) talking to them about, you know, where things are at and and where they're going, whether this is something that, um, you know, may eventually get get asked, and at this point they they sound very confident that they are going to go ahead with something but still very scarce as you mentioned on details in terms of exactly what that event is going to look like
1: well we'll continue to hound you as you continue to hound them and maybe someday we'll find out exactly what the stampede might look like for this summer thanks for joining us sarah you're welcome appreciate it that's global news reporter sarah often
0: you know we'll get to some of your texts because like you say uh, sue I, I think if if we've had 15 texts on this I think two people said, mm-hmm. I'd go. Uh, you know, why not? But Brian had a very good point. Uh, Brian, who operates the program, he's the brains behind the operation, really. <laughs> yeah, there's some, some props for you, Brian. He, he was saying, because here's what you have to think about what does Stampede mean to you? And Brian indicated something that has really nothing to do with Stampede Park, and it's the Stampede breakfasts in the mm. communities, I would suggest, in the malls. And last year, my family, we very much enjoyed the drive-through Stampede breakfast. You know, you had to hop in the car and go through yeah. a million and different turns. they just pop them through your window. But it was different. But, yeah, to that point, if that's what you embrace, maybe the big Chinook breakfast or the one in Market Mall or South Center Mall or, you know, this small community... I don't think do I don't that. think that could happen. You can't I, I distance don't think.
1: those people in that line. It's too; those lines are massive, as we all know. Yeah.
0: So I mean, I guess to to a large extent, what does stampede mean to you? For some people, it might mean having to be among a hundred thousand people, shoulder to shoulder, or going to like the Nashville North or the Cowboys tent for a concert. And I, I don't think those are going to happen.
1: Yeah, even if you bubbled people, say Nashville North, you bubble people at the beginning of the night. It just sounds perfect, right? Oh, everybody's in their own little group, their little family. We all know what happens at Stampede once the booze starts to flow and the night starts to go on. There is intermingling of anyone and everything. So I don't know how you could possibly control that. Here's another take too: a texter saying, our family has exhibited at Stampede over the past 25 years. We obviously missed last year. And even if Stampede invites us, we will not be prepared to show already a month past the beginning of the training season for the animals in preparation of showing for this season. So no, we will not be attending Stampede this year.
0: This texture is going to be going. No issues with Stampede. No one is forcing those who do not wish to attend vaccines and masks. Well, I guess that another question we can ask you. Do you envision yourself wearing a mask at Stampede Park? Is that something that you're interested in? Or would you rather put it on pause till next year that we can have a, a normal Stampede that we're used to instead of a modified version?
1: Here's another great one. Stampede. Tough one. We love it, but we will not be going this year. Too many people, too crowded, too much chance for spread. Also, how many anti-maskers, believers, or non-believers will be flocking there? I'm not going to risk it. If I can't have my kids' sports happening now or be able to see my parents, why should Stampede be allowed to go ahead?
0: But, you know, and and I'll defend the Stampede and this idea of having a modified version of Stampede by saying that all through this, the Stampede had said, "This this is what we have planned for July. Yep. Not for what we have planned for the middle of May. So, you know, same with the kids. I mean, I'm hoping my kids will be going back in the next couple of weeks to school to finish off. Time will tell, but there's so many uncertainties. Ingrid says, hey there, it's Ingrid. I do not agree that we should have Cali Stampede this year. Very dangerous thing to do when we've had a deadly disaster of a serious pandemic ravaging the world. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, those are the optics too. Is it a bad look?
1: Optics. Great point, right? Does does that scar you if you're the Stampede and the provincial government? Because it really seems, from all accounts that I've heard, Jason Kenney and the provincial government really wants Stampede to go ahead. Because let's face it, there are optics involved. As you say, it looks good if we can go ahead with this event because it means this province is coming out of it. We've done a good job in getting our vaccines to our people and and getting the people with shots in their arms. So. You know, there's a lot involved in this, not just the stampede, but it's not them just making one decision.
0: Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, you've got to look at when we use the term optics, the playing field. So does this mean that if the we allow the stampede as a government and as a society to say, okay, that that'll work for us? What other things are opening up? Are, are those others going to stay closed? Are you making a special exemption or will we be there come July 9th?
1: Somebody else saying people can't live in fear for the rest of their lives. I think if anything has come out of this, it's that a lot of people are feeling they have to isolate and stay isolated. So, yes, I will go to Stampede. 719. In a Facebook post last night, Central Peace Notley MLA Todd Lowen says he is stepping down as chair of the UCP caucus and he's asking Jason Kenney to also resign from his position. In his post, Lowen said he no longer feels confident in Alberta's leadership. the break down all of this, we're joined this morning by global news reporter Bindu Suri. Morning, Bindu. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for being with us. This is, wow, quite the slap in the face for the premier.
4: Yes, well, this is a very strongly worded letter. It's very specific and clear. So, Lowen had posted uh, this letter on social media on his Facebook page. It's a letter he says he sent to Jason Kenney to inform him that he is stepping down as UCP caucus chair and he says, quote, it's due to persistent issues of dysfunction within the government. Uh, he added that he's desperate to save the movement and he's committed to staying in the party but he believes the primary source of the dysfunction, Premier Jason Kenney, must be removed. So he did not mince uh, any words there. He says that uh, his input is not elected official is rarely considered. Uh, he thanks the premier for his service, but he wants to be able to speak more freely, and so that is why he is stepping down as chair of the UCP
0: caucus. This uh, post was by Lowen. He's representing and speaking on his own behalf. However, uh, he's not the only uh, UC, uh, UCP uh, backbench member to, to break with Kenny's government to a large extent. Back in April, over health care restrictions aimed at reducing the spread of COVID-19, 18 UCP uh, backbench members came forward. So uh, at this point, are any of those, uh, to your knowledge, coming forward with something like Lowen is doing? Because uh, I know there has been some dissension. Yeah,
4: absolutely there has. Yeah, there was that letter earlier last uh, month that, as you mentioned, does of. UCP MLAs did sign. Uh, we haven't heard any of them coming forward in reaction yet, but keep in mind this letter that Lohan posted was posted around midnight. So really people just starting to react and, and reactions coming in. So I, I would be surprised to see some MLAs definitely supporting this because they have supported um, that pushback against COVID-19 measures that uh, were... We are, of course, in the midst of right now. But I will say that this letter today from Loan did not mention COVID-19 at all. In fact, he mentioned uh, doctor negotiations haven't been going well, uh, things like that. So he actually didn't even mention um, the the state of the public health measures. Uh, But we have heard MLA speaking out against that. Uh, So that's the only thing Kenny has really responded to. He has said that this is really just frustration over COVID-19
1: restrictions and that's why we're hearing from MLAs who are so upset Uh, but this letter again didn't really point that out and you know we know from polling there is a lot of frustration beyond just the MLAs in this province a lot of people who voted for the UCP party not happy with how Kenny has handled well just about everything over the past year and a half two years so you know have we heard any reaction from the premier himself at this point No, we haven't. Of course, we always reach out to the premier. And usually when we hear reaction from the
4: premier, it is usually at the press conferences that he holds for COVID-19, the COVID-19 update in the afternoon. So we will have to see uh, if he will speak before then or if we will have to wait for that update, which he generally does with uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw for him to say anything. Again, he has spoken on this before last month. uh, He did say again that that uh, calls from within his own party for him to resign. So we acknowledge that are a direct result of frustration over COVID-19 restrictions. And then he has said that he will continue to uh, defend his measures and back that up, and and um, especially with rising COVID-19 cases and, and variants, of course, in the mix now, uh, he has always defended those measures, and that has been his
0: response uh, so far. Bindu, thanks for the update uh, this morning.
4: You're welcome.
1: Thank you.
0: That is Bindu Suri, global news reporter.
1: A lot of reports of changes to women's menstrual cycle after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. So why is that happening? And is it something that we as females need to be concerned about? We're chatting this morning with Dr. Geraldine Pryor, the the, uh, scientific director of the Center for Menstrual Cycle and Ovulation Research and a professor of endocrinology and metabolism at the University of BC. Good morning, doctor. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you very much. A important topic. Is is this something that we need to be concerned about? We've been seeing lots of posts like this. People just, you know, noticing it on social media and posting about it. Your thoughts? So, I don't think we need to be concerned
5: about it. I think we need to know that it may happen. Basically, um we don't know how commonly it happens yet because it's only, you know, <laughs> no, no systematic collection so far. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is is women could expect is that they might have an unscheduled or early bleeding. A few women, especially those in adolescence and those in perimenopause, in other words, the transition toward menopause, may have very heavy bleeding. And if that occurs, the first thing to do is to take one ibuprofen pill with each meal throughout that every heavy flow day, and that'll help decrease the amount of flow.
0: Okay. So, Dr. Pryor, you mentioned, you know, moving ahead after the vaccine, but is there anything that a a woman can do to mitigate it ahead of getting the jab?
5: I don't think so, and... we really don't know why it's occurring yet. It's clear it's a real thing. Um, the important uh, message for women to take home, though, is that this is only a temporary single episode,
1: um, annoying, <laughs> irritating, but not dangerous situation. Well, that's a good thing for sure. So can you say sort of based on your knowledge and your experience what might be happening here, why this might be, you know, happening for women? What I'm thinking and what the evidence is saying so far to me
5: is that the the people who are experiencing this are women who, for reasons of the stress of the pandemic or or the time of their reproductive life cycle are not ovulating normally. In other words, their cycle is composed primarily of a stimulation from estrogen without progesterone. That means that the lining of the uterus has gotten thick and juicy and is more fragile and some acute stress-related signal then triggers it to bleed.
0: Do we know, and again, like you say, this is just coming in, it's new info, and obviously the whole pandemic is new to us. Do we know if this is related to one particular type of a vaccine and one particular brand? It
5: doesn't seem to be. It seems across the board. And just just out of interest, um, there was a report, a very good scientific article, about women who were um, part of a um, Black Lives Matter protest in portland oregon who were tear gassed and they reported an uncannily similar experience Mm. with unexpected bleeding
1: very interesting now did i read somewhere that this is something that I, i didn't know before this but that the uterine lining is is somehow connected to our immune system so does it make sense there might be a you know something like this happening I know I've heard many people,
5: yes, of course, every part of our body is connected to the immune system. But I think that the immune, I don't understand a mechanism mm-hmm. by which the immune system would do this. And most of the immune things that we're seeing that are particularly in women take longer than the one to five days in which women report an unexpected period.
0: Dr. Pryor, just to clarify, this is not age dependent either. Again, something you mentioned something about adolescence earlier in the conversation here. But if a preteen, uh, just at the beginning of, of menstruation, uh, same effects as, as as a woman perhaps in her thirties.
5: Oh, sure, it can affect women of any age, and I. But I just think it's more common because uh, adolescent or teenage women and perimenopausal women are ones we know already are more likely to not be ovulating normally
1: well it's a fascinating discussion most definitely and we'll be watching uh, for more results as we get further into uh, vaccinations thank you so much for your time this morning doctor you're welcome good talking to you and to you thank you so much that's dr jerry lynn pryor scientific director for the center for menstrual cycle and ovulation research at the university of british columbia at 6.42, dog adoptions are way up amid the pandemic, but so are pet surrenders. And one anthrozoology mm-hmm. professor at the University of Windsor is worried the puppy surge could turn into a canine crisis. Mm-hmm. Some owners may be not ready for the responsibility mm-hmm. that comes with owning a dog. To discuss, we're joined this morning by Beth Daly. Good morning, Beth Good morning. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, can, can you compare it to the hoarding of toilet paper and hand sanitizer <laughs> and the things that we were all trying to get our hands on at the beginning of this thing? Can you compare this, this dog search? I, you know, I sort of have, but I, uh, you know,
3: there are different reasons that people are getting dogs and puppies right now. And I think that part of it is because people have put it off for so long. I can't get a dog. I'm at work all the time. Nobody's at home. The kids are at school. So I think that a lot of families have probably seen this as a really great opportunity at this moment. But um, with respect to your question, I mean, there is always those people who sort of say everyone else is getting one. It looks like a great idea.
0: And it's interesting you know a, a real crude example uh, you know our comparison would be with toilet paper if i don't use it it can sit in the basement for a year and i, I don't have to pay attention to it uh, when it comes to an animal the responsibility factor uh, doctor if you can talk about that because i tell you some people might be going in with blinders on
3: yes and you know what you said you put it in the basement for a year forget about it don't think people don't do that with dogs either and we see this all the time where people get a dog They don't realize the training that's involved. They come home, the dog has chewed the shoes or through the wallpaper, as in our case, and uh, so people get frustrated. Put the dog in, you know, a bathroom or in the basement thinking that's better. Dogs get claustrophobic. They are even more destructive, and then it's, it's a cycle. Bad dog, and they return the dog. So you're absolutely correct. First of all, different breeds have different needs and different energy levels. But also puppies are are like babies. They they need to be taken out at three A. M. and yeah. five AM. Um and also they grow up but they don't leave home like kids do. <laughs> So dogs are dogs are also like babies. They need walks every day, they need constant attention, but most of all they need socialization and training. And these two things are so important and so many people neglect these basics.
1: So do we know are there some stats that you've seen doctor in terms of surrendering of these dogs because people just thought it was such a great idea and realized how much work it actually was? That's a good question and it's early. I have read a couple of
3: um, anecdotal uh, articles here and there that, you know, there are some shelters that are getting dogs, but of course shelters are emptying out just as quickly as dogs are going in because we're still in a really high pandemic lockdown area across Canada. So I'm in Ontario, and we're still in really heavy lockdown right now. And uh, so you're not seeing this yet. But I feel pretty strongly that in a year to two years, we will probably see a surge in shelters of one and two-year-old dogs that are, quote, badly, you know, badly behaved or, you know, the experiment failed. Yeah. we we the dog didn't work out with our family.
0: So 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 doctor what advice we want people to have pets? We want people to have happiness and we want these pets to have a home, but we want it done properly. What advice would you give to somebody who's been considering taking on a dog as far as uh, per, being prepared? What what can they do?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. We do want people to have dogs. I personally feel very badly um, for people who want dogs, but they look at the cost, single-parent families or you know, people who are just living hand-to-mouth, but would like a dog. It, it's very unfair when we look at things like vet bills and um, training fees and pet food costs. It, it's it's a struggle. And I, I am of the feeling that everyone is as entitled to a dog if they really want one as the next person is. But go in with your eyes open. If you're going to get a dog, and I... Get a rescue, that's terrific, but talk to the shelter before you get the rescue. Mm -hmm. And a good shelter will have you spend time with that dog and and ask you a lot of questions about the suitability for your family. If you're getting a purebred, this is a really important if you are getting a purebred, you must check out the breeder because there are there are all kinds of breeder scams going on right now where people are taking money um, they are charging four or five six thousand dollars for dogs. Those are not good breeders. A good breeder will have a waiting list if somebody tells you hey great I'll have a puppy for you you know in a month or in a week that is not likely unless it's in the unusual circumstance it is not going to be a reputable breeder. And if you're getting a purebred, check out the breed. (laughs) If you don't want a dog that barks and digs, a terrier is probably not for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, great reminders, great advice. Thanks for the discussion this morning. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That is Dr. Beth Daly, Associate Professor of Anthrozoology at the University of Windsor.